Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. What is up on a Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Michael Borky is back in the co-host chair. We appreciate you hanging out with us on a little bit of an unconventional schedule, but I think that's fine. We did, I believe, the same thing with National Signing Day rolled around the first time. Just no real reason to have a show as the, all the madness is unfolding. And then, of course, I had kind of the hang-up traveling Wednesday. Borky was out of town, but we'll be back at it again tomorrow with Mailback Friday. Probably an abbreviated podcast today. There's just not a whole lot of different topics to cover. Obviously we'll get into signing day and what was a fairly uneventful day for Ole Miss. They would have definitely liked it to be more eventful. Ole Miss won a basketball game last night. It looked pretty damn good doing it. We'll probably get into that some too. Uh, what's up? How was vacation or not vacation, but you went, was it vacation? Did you go home? Like, what would you describe that? Yeah, as? I did go home, but definitely not a vacation, more of just like a, a personal trip I had to take and um, didn't get to do a whole lot. And as I left, all the, the bad storms that came through here are now hitting there, too. So uh, just not a whole lot to do. The weather sucked, but uh, I'm back. And air travel, man, I uh, on the way out of Jackson on Sunday night, we had it planned, I mean, perfectly to where I would leave Jackson and get to Greenville about 45 minutes before the start of the Super Bowl. The plane backs out. Of the uh, whatever the hell you call it, the the thing in Jackson, and we start going to the runway, and the plane shuts down. And the captain comes over the speaker and says, "Yeah, you know the uh, one of our engines just decided to uh, to stop working on us. So here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to stop it, start it again, and if it works, we'll take off. And if not, we'll have to go back to the gate." And I thought. What the hell are you talking about? If the engine just randomly shut down on the way to the runway, you're going to turn it off and turn it back on like it's an Xbox, and then we're just going to take off again? Like, hell no. So we pulled back into the gate because the engine wouldn't work, and the only other plane out of Jackson is completely full. So I had a a six-and-a-half-hour delay leaving freaking Jackson, Mississippi to – get to Atlanta to get to Greenville. So I had to watch the entire Super Bowl on DVR. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. I've uh, I've never had really – it's kind of weird having that big of a delay out of Jackson because there's just really not that many, much traffic. So that uh, that's pretty brutal. There was only – on Super Bowl Sunday, I believe there were like four Delta flights out of Jackson or something like that. It was just a very weak travel day. Yeah, you didn't really miss a ton. The Super Bowl was – I thought the Super Bowl was close, but not necessarily the most compelling. Uh, But we did have Colin fill in on Monday, and I think I started a rumor that you were dismissed for running a uh, drug trafficking ring out of your office. So uh, I guess that got dispelled by you coming back. I mean, who's to say I didn't do that? It's a good point. But uh, so Borky out on bail and joining us for this uh, post-National Signing Day show. Uh, But we – it, I guess we'll just get started with the signing day stuff yesterday, and then we'll get into basketball. It was a fairly uneventful day for Ole Miss. They did sign three kids. They had a fourth uh, say he was signing with Ole Miss, but the kid basically just kind of Willie Mays hazed it to where uh, they didn't actually offer him a scholarship. 
but you get three kids yesterday. You get Luke Schaus, an offensive lineman that had been committed for a while. They lost a commitment uh, in Darren Branch to Georgia. Matt Luke is just a gift that keeps on giving to Ole Miss, isn't he? Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting. Uh, that was interesting. You get Brady Ward, another offensive lineman, and then who am I missing yesterday? There are only three kids. Melton Ward. Um... Oh, I think Schaus was the uh, was I can't Melton or Schaus was the gray shirt. Oh, I'm about to pull up all of our content from yesterday that you can get. I thought it was Ward that's the gray shirt. It, that, that that is definitely Ward is a gray shirt. He will be on scholarship. Uh, second semester will come in in August. I had to explain to a couple of people on the radio show how exactly a gray shirt works. Is that a new development? Because it's been around. I thought as long as I've been. Wait, Richard and Haydad didn't know what gray shirt. No, 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 not 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 our uh, not no, someone on like the text line like did not understand what a gray shirt was. It's really simple though. I mean, yeah, if you feel, like there's a difference between I don't know what that is, tell me what that is, and I don't get it. You know what I mean? No, no, no. yeah, no, no. I, they didn't know what it was. Okay, all right. Well, that, so nah, I was just wondering if it was a uh, if it was a new thing. I've just it's been around ever since I've been covering. You just things. don't hear it all that often. But anyway, sorry, I'm bouncing around here. They got three kids yesterday. They got Cedric Melton, an offensive lineman out of Texas. They got uh, Brady Ward who is a St. Paul's kid, Mobile kid, signed with Ole Miss uh, out of uh, over Indiana, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and others. And then they, of course, add Henry Parrish, who is the Miami-Florida four-star running back that was a Kevin Smith uh, heavily recruited. So they do get three kids yesterday. And then they add Luke Schaus as well, who is out of Brentwood, Tennessee, and would have been a commit for a long time. Uh, yesterday was really about who they didn't sign, in my opinion. Uh, I, I like they missed out oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, like there were four or five kids that they thought they had a chance on, and it didn't happen. Donovan Kaufman, the uh, Metro Louisiana defensive back, sticks with Vanderbilt, which, which I know that, like that's you, surprising, man. Like even if you care about academics, like you know, after this season that. There's going to be full coaching turnover there. You would think, unless they are good this year, which I don't necessarily, I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of Vanderbilt's depth chart, but that is the second kid that Vanderbilt kept over some pretty, like, not, I mean, you can't call Ole Miss a blue bud, but some very more, much more established schools. Who's a kid from Alabama that Ole Miss was in on? I think he may have been an Ole Miss commit for a little bit that signed during the early signing period that stuck with Bama. Over Ole Miss, I stuck with excuse me Vanderbilt over Ole Miss in Alabama. His name is escaping me right this second, but I will think of it in a second. That's a uh, two or three kids that Vanderbilt's held on to in a bit of a surprising manner. Like you usually think, if you're in a battle, Vanderbilt's going to be on the short end of the stick. Uh, Dericky Wright is that the kid? Uh, did I have that correct? I'm trying to, th- I'm gonna make double check and make sure. I'm pulling up. Rob. Yeah, Either Dirk, way, right. I mean, the look, Mason's a really likable guy, too. I mean, I, I get why you'd want to play for him. It just, I, I was surprised by that. Um, just Ole Miss not being able to to get him to flip from Vanderbilt to there. But that's, as you said, the story of yesterday. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. I guess there is two. I mean, there's two ways to look at it, right? If you're an optimist or a pessimist, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. If you're an optimist, it's well, you know, it's a transition class. You can't expect much from a transition class. 
or it's yesterday was an abject disaster. I mean, they just failed at every level. It was awful. And then the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. It is a transition class making things a little bit more difficult. They also, I mean, Lane Kiffin spoke what he said at his press conference into reality that they're not just going to sign kids to fill a class. They only have 16 signatures. It's going to be 17 um, when the, the database updates on this Ward kid. Um, but I don't even know. I don't know how the gray shirt thing works. Anyway, 17 at most in this class. And that that's a good sign, but also an indicator of the challenges that he's up against because Ole Miss is not Alabama. Ole Miss isn't even Tennessee as far as recruiting goes. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think part of it is they are not getting the help. Um, you can read between the lines. They're not getting the help behind the scenes uh, right now that they need if they want to continue to recruit at a high level or if they want to start recruiting at a high level. Um, they need help. And it's not like a new practice facility. Um, Tennessee's getting help, and that's why they signed a top 10 class. It's it, There is less activity going on behind the scenes as far as I understand it based on a couple of people that I talked to yesterday. Um, but it's the challenge that he faces uh, recruiting at Ole Miss. So it depends on how you want to spin it. It's a transition class, no big deal. 2021 should, and I expect it to be much better next year, but also you missed on a ton of guys that you wanted uh, at the 11th hour on signing day. And that's kind of been a theme for Ole Miss uh, over the last few years, and they've got to figure out a way to buck that trend. But it's worth noting that they had two transfers come in, one of which is a former four-star safety. Another one is an instant impact tight end. Who Kiffin said will apply, as far as Otis Reese, the safety from Georgia, will go through and apply for a waiver. And at this point, obviously, the NCAA said they're kind of cracking down, not giving them, but what does that really mean? So uh, I guess uh, he left the door cracked open in terms of, of Reese playing next year or being immediately eligible. If Even I still if had to doesn't, it. though, I mean, you've got two years with this kid who, uh, by all accounts, is an SEC safety. So sure, that doesn't I get factored did. into recruiting rankings. This tight end doesn't get factored in the recruiting rankings, and they're going to continue to be active in the transfer portal. It's yeah, it was it's, a shitty day, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it just uh, it seemed from everyone I talked to when the Reese kid transferred was that it was likely going to have to sit out of here no matter what. But Kiffin didn't seem to have that tune yesterday. Maybe he was just being optimistic. Maybe he was leaving all possibilities open. But I did find that interesting that there uh, there did seem to be a window that the kid might be immediately eligible. I wouldn't necessarily bank on it. But again, yesterday was really pretty much about who Ole Miss didn't get. They lost or not lost. They were unable to flip Donovan Kaufman, who as we just mentioned went to Vanderbilt. Malachi Weidman, the two-sport kid from Venice, Florida, that was going to play basketball. I think he's going to play basketball in Tennessee. He was going to play basketball and football here. Uh, visited, I believe, January, like last weekend, January 31st. Talked to Kermit Davis. He ends up signing with Tennessee over Florida State. I believe that kid was a Florida State commitment, but it was one of those deals where he had one foot out the door for the last couple of months, and it was really kind of believed it was Tennessee or Ole Miss, even though – he was technically a Florida State commit. That's a big physical receiver target, as you heard if you listened to Tuesday's, or I guess, yeah, Tuesday's show, uh, Zach Berry talk about um, kind of a, not DK Metcalf-like, but in terms of like big frame, I think he's 6'4", like 200, or maybe it's just a... Basketball uh, highlights are wild, man. They're more than his football highlights. Yeah, like just a ridiculous athlete, big target. 
you know, Ole Miss has a couple of guys, not maybe not quite like him, but you did have a couple of guys get pulled out of the transfer portal in Demarcus Gregory and Miles Battle. And it's it's hard to evaluate the receiver position as we talked about and before because and it likely was, Matt Corral. Yeah, but I'm just talking about at the receiver position in particular. It's been hard to evaluate because of what an atrocity the kind of unconventional passing game was last year. It's like they have some bigger guys. You have Dontario Drummond as well. You just haven't really seen what they can do hardly at all. And with regards to all three of them, I can't, I, I can't for the life of me, like with good faith, say that was their fault or the kids just didn't develop last year. Like if it's three dudes and they were all newcomers, I guess Battle and Gregory weren't technically newcomers, but I'm thinking of Mingo in there as well. It can't be all of their faults. It's got to be on the staff some. So would they miss out I, on I a big target there? I think it's more than there, some, to tell you the it, truth. Yeah, so I think I, I, I would be interested to see what they have in the cupboard already, but obviously uh, Weidman was a kid that they definitely wanted. And then the first one of the morning that they missed out on was Marcus Henderson, that, uh, which is a really interesting prospect, the two-way lineman uh, out of MUS. I think he, he's like 6'5", 300, and could be, could like if he went, wherever he went to college, he could play on either side of the football from what I was told he was going to play on the defensive side of the ball for Ole Miss. Um, I'm guessing at 6'5", 300, he's probably a guard um, if he was going to play on the offensive side. But Ole Miss uh, definitely still kind of needs to address their defensive line depth, particularly on the interior. And that kid would have been a, uh, a good add in terms of doing that. He signed with Arkansas and Sam Pittman over Ole Miss. And so those... So, yes, sir, guy, by the way, closed in the top 30 yesterday. Yeah, he did a good job, but like, I'm not necessarily discounting it, but like, you remember Matt Luke, like closed pretty well his first two years and by all accounts was recruiting very well. And, but like on field coaching is definitely uh, a kind of another beast. So I would be interested to see what that actually looks like on the field. Cause like Matt Luke never had a class this poor. I think, I mean, that I'm not necessarily indicting Kiffin for that, but what this finished at like 37, 39, something like that. According to rivals, it's 46, but uh, rivals has Arkansas at at 41. I think the the most important thing is that the, the numbers, there's just not as many. If you look at the teams in front of them, Ole Miss has six fewer signees than Iowa State, who, according to rivals, is directly in front of them. Five fewer than Oklahoma State and NC State. Four fewer than Arkansas. Nine fewer than Louisville. And all these teams are ahead of them in the rankings. So if Ole Miss just signed bodies to sign them, then they would have they would have been higher. Uh, their average uh, player rating, believe it or not, is actually higher than Mississippi State's. And Mississippi State, according to rivals, is number 26. Yeah, and that's what kind of that was the sentiment of Kiffin's press conference yesterday, was that you know he I mean he I mean he really it was interesting he was pretty honest like he didn't really mince words he said you know I know every coach gets up here and says this is the greatest class he said we have good players in this class but every class we have uh, after this will be better and deeper than this one so didn't really mince words there but did kind of stress that they didn't want to reach on kids and I think there's a good bit of truth to that in the sense that they really only have 17 kids plus a couple transfers. So I, I think as I think next year, and this is kind of what I wrote yesterday that you can find at supertalk.fm is like, it's fair to criticize them for not being able to close strong because I, yeah, it was their staff was in flux, but they did have it in place and they had time 
to flip some kids and generate a little bit of momentum and just weren't able to do that. I think it's fair to criticize them for that, but to make a kind of long-term sweeping assumption about the staff's recruiting acumen, I think would be kind of unfair at this point in the game. And so, you know, it's not fair at all, especially with, I mean, you know, with a handful of them anyway, and especially the most important guy that they are proven to have done it multiple places before. Yeah, and so I think on paper, this staff is one that people think can kind of establish a bit of a wider, more national footprint, kind of like Hugh Freeze did for the short time he was able to do that, and generally more kind of further reaching than Ole Miss is generally accustomed to. I think on paper, you have the the bullets and the gun to be able to do that, but 2021 will really kind of tell the tale as to whether they're actually able to kind of uh, see that plan to fruition and it's interesting because Kiffin mentioned yesterday that they lo- a lot of kids that they lost out on were, uh, were kind of due to other places having longer-term relationships. And, you know, that probably sounds like an excuse, and it may be a little bit, but I think there is some truth to that. And so when you have kind of a full year, and, you know, the last two weeks of this whole deal, Ole Miss really kind of turned their attention to the 2021 class. Not to say they gave up on the 2020, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast um, when it comes to recruiting in this new early signing period and having it split. So, like, uh, the, you have a full year to develop relationships. You have a full year to kind of get going. And, the, like, I, to me, I would view next year as their first real class. But it is That's interesting. how it should be viewed. But it is interesting. I guess I'll transition to, to this is on the other side of the state. You have Mississippi State, who had a coaching change as well, but on uh, at a different time. And it was probably a worse time to have a coaching change but not necessarily for them from a recruiting perspective because to Leach and that staff's credit, like the, most of the hay was in the barn. They were able to keep, I think, 21 of the 22 kids they had signed, so they were able to add three and then kind of be done with it. To where Ole Miss had a lot more work to do in this late one and just really weren't able to do it or maybe just chose to have a small class. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but I did find that interesting that you had two coaching changes in the state, and on the other side, like it didn't feel like Leach once they kept most of those kids didn't really have to do a whole lot today. That's not really a knock or a compliment. It's just kind of an interesting observation. No, it, it's that's how it is now. I, I mean, Clemson, for example, uh, didn't sign a single kid yesterday. Not one. That their recruiting class was done in the early period. That's just that's kind of how it works now. And so when you're going to make a coaching change. It, you run the risk of your first class being very difficult because, I mean, my God, Lane Kiffin was hired when? It was mid-December, right? It was like a week before the early signing period. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, what, Kiffin. It was reported on Thursday or Friday night, take some that, whatever. I mean, it's basically 10, 11 days. And there were fewer than 20 of the top 250 players in the country that had yet to sign. Or, or that did not sign on that day. Fewer than 20. So it puts you behind the eight ball. And it's not, it's not making excuses. It's just being real. It, this, this class could have been better. It probably should have been better. I, I think they need more help moving forward. And I suspect they're going to get that help moving forward. Um, but there's like, I even had a buddy text me yesterday and say, all of Lane's momentum is gone. And I just, I don't know where that 
that idea comes from. I don't get it. Would have, and it, there's still a couple of guys that they can sign anyway, and that class will jump. Like if they sign Zach Evans, for example, they'll jump into the top 30 and everybody will be pumped, you know? Uh, just one guy who may not even show up to campus. It, it changes things just because people use recruiting perception as uh, like a basis for getting excited about a season, I guess. But no, his momentum's not gone or anything. It's This is with a little bit of exception exactly how it was probably going to go to begin with. 2021's the year where you will know what kind of recruiting he's going to be able to do at Ole Miss. It's 2021. And, yeah, they failed in some cases today, but it is not momentum ruining or anything like that at all. Got a couple more thoughts on what's left out there, and then we'll get into basketball. First, take a break to remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. Football season's over. You might not get as many locks or picks. I need to test uh, Greg's uh, basketball, college basketball uh, handicapping acumen. I'll probably shoot him a text today. I may need to go by there. I told him when I got back from Fort Worth, I'd go by and try some meat. So you should do the same. Baseball season's coming up uh, about eight days from now. Um, so go check out Greg University Avenue across from Kroger. They've got steaks, custom cut sausages, game packs, you can kind of go get one of those baseball game day packs and throw whatever is in that on the grill for left field, right field, wherever you choose to sit. Greg feeds the baseball team. He can feed you while you watch the baseball team. Uh, no better place in Mississippi to get meat. Go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger. One of the things Kiffin said at the beginning of his press conference yesterday that there was work still left to be done, or there was still guys left out there, I guess is what he really meant. And there are a couple. You have Zach Evans, the five-star running back, whose recruitment has been well-documented. Bit of a saga. Uh, no one really knows when he's going to sign. He's probably going to drag this out as long as possible. If I had He posted guess. on Instagram yesterday, apparently. I certainly don't I, – I don't look at Instagram at all, and I definitely don't follow recruits. But I, I saw yesterday where somebody – I guess it's a story, but like you can pin something about, I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that he said something about tomorrow, yesterday on Instagram. So that's, I guess, something to keep an eye on today. You have the Brit kid who's signing on February 20th between Florida and Ole Miss. And then I believe that's about it unless Ole Miss hits the transfer market, unless I'm missing something. Is there anyone else out there? I'm trying to. I I don't. I thought there was three, but I guess I'm wrong. Either way, like if they can lock in those two, um, it would make signing day not the disaster that some people think it is. I mean, they would shoot up for whatever it's worth to you in the rankings. Signing a five star and a four star kid like that, they. I mean, it would be fine. I just. I was watching this unfold yesterday and and looking at some of the reaction and, and how upset people were and I. And maybe I'm a cynic, Rippy, but I, I thought, you know, are you guys really surprised right now? Yeah, I mean, there was always going to be an uphill battle. And just to clarify, that would be Mark Britt out of Miami Christian School, another Miami kid, 6'2", 190 wide receiver, four-star, probably headed to Florida, but Ole Miss is still in the mix in there with Miami. I guess we shall see how that turns out. So that would be February 20th, but that's two, two weeks away. Two weeks yeah, two, two weeks from 
today. So that's a pretty late signing. But yeah, I mean, there was always going to be a bit of an uphill battle for Kiffin. I think when you're a little bit behind the eight ball, it makes closing even more important for perception. And they didn't necessarily close very well, so people are going to be angry about it. I don't necessarily see it as a huge deal. I do think that they were uh, this. There was some left to be desired with this class. I think they could have done better, but I, I just have a hard time making some making a lot of sweeping judgments about them until this 2021 class. If if if, if they kind of I guess talk as big of a game as they did in terms of like recruiting nationally and, and the brand and everything that Kiffin comes with Kiffin and the staff that he's hired, and they whiff on a bunch of kids next year then I would tell people to go as crazy as they want or however they want to react. I just have a bit of a harder time making uh, generalizations about their ability to recruit and all of that based on this, just because, I mean, he comes in and has like 10, 10 days before national signing day, signs 12 kids uh, with a makeshift staff, spends the next month filling out his own roster of assistants while simultaneously trying to close on his class. And this one was a bit of a different mindset because they're just trying to get the best available players because when you talk about meeting needs and recruiting, that's a nice buzzword. And I guarantee 95% of the content that was written about teams yesterday across the country had some kind of version of the phrase met their needs with this class because that's what everyone likes to say. But that's when, when people don't say when the class is disappointing. It's really just caught. Yeah, I mean, that definitely kind of a, a safety net for that. But that's really just what coaches say in general. But it was really, if you're truly thinking about it, a different mindset for Ole Miss because Kiffin pointed this out yesterday. They don't know their own roster. And so I don't know how, like, yeah, you can watch film and all that until you get the kids out on the grass and see them and, and coach them with your own eyes. Like, you don't really know your own roster. So it can't necessarily be a ton as much about meeting your own needs when you don't exactly know what your own needs are. Sure, you need generally. Does Lane Kiffin know they need help on the offensive and defensive line? Yeah, absolutely. Does he know that they probably need a little bit of more veteran help in the secondary? Yeah, absolutely. But like, just in terms of specific needs, it, it's really hard to gauge. So they're, this class was kind of trying to get the best available. So it's just a different mindset than they're going to have in years to come. And like, really, all I've, I'll, really, all I've got else to say on it is just I will be interested to see how next year turns out. And based on that, you'll probably know a lot more about the staff's ability to recruit and where things are going with the football program. For sure. And uh, um, there was some snark yesterday about uh, Wilson Love's offseason program. Did you catch that? No, he got asked a question. Kevin got asked a question about it, but he's actually not. Uh, Wilson Love is. I didn't have it. You're saying no, this right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. His response is like, well, he can't report anything to me. So I hope it's going well. Oh, geez, man. <laughs> yeah, you I think he was like more press just making. I think he was just more. Uh, I think he was just more making fun of the question asked. So it wasn't a dumb question. I, I mean, I, I think Chuck asked it. I didn't actually know that was he. He wasn't able to do that either uh, because that I don't know every loophole in the stupid violation things. I don't know. And by the way, but, of course he knows. By the way, of course he knows how it's going. He knows. Well, I think that's why he said that. Not. I don't. I don't think he was necessarily being snarky about like the program or whatever. I think he was more just kind of being tongue-in-cheek in terms of like, yeah, I hope it's going well. I really have no clue. When in reality, everyone and their brother knows, he probably knows. I think that's kind of the uh, the joke he was making in terms of that. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about it. But of course you do. Yeah, he knows every single detail. But right, just, but it's obviously stuff like that, that. 
Yeah, it's little shit like that that just makes the NCAA. It's hard. The people that like stand, that's the new word now, by the way, not defend or support. It's stand. The people that stand for the NCAA, just things like this make it even harder to defend them. Like it's disingenuous to think that this, in the way they go about things, is appropriate for air quotes, student athletes. Really? Like, that's a rule you're going to put in place and you think that the, your teams are going to follow? Why did you even go to that effort to make a rule that you know nobody's going to follow? They just Is there not one person in Indianapolis that's like, hey, guys, this is really stupid because we can't enforce it and they're going to break it anyway. So just let the coaches talk to their strength guy. That's it. Why is that so hard? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's some kind of archaic reason for it. Aside from that, that's really all they had as far as recruiting yesterday. Not Oh, I do would like to get to the Willie Mays Hayes kid. Oh, there was a kid out of Shreveport, Louisiana, DeTravion Brown, a three-star wide receiver who had offers from Houston, Kentucky. I, I want to say Louisville, but I don't have it in front of me. I'm not 100% positive. Point being, he had other options. Uh, pulls out an Ole Miss hat and says he's signing with Ole Miss. And it was an interesting timing because it happened as most of the media contingent was sitting in the Manning Center waiting on the press conference. And so we just turned around to the SIDs uh, or the media relations staff and was like, hey, like, what, what is the lowdown on this kid? Because even the guys that are tasked with following recruiting every day didn't know a ton about him. And, of course, they're talking to people on staff just like everyone else. And, like, you kind of know who's coming and who's not. And there was a – very much sense of surprise. And then we got this weird answer from the media relations staff that was like, we don't have any paperwork on it. We can't say anything yet. And so then about an hour or two goes by and I reach out to someone and an old Miss spokesperson and then was like, uh, so like, do you have any confirmation on this kid? And they're like, we have no further comment at this time. We have no paperwork on him. It. It's like, um, <laughs> something's up here. And then of course it later comes out that Ole Miss didn't actually uh, offer this kid a scholarship. So, that's what I'll probably be trying to do to the New York Times on Monday is that I've committed to cover the Olympics or something cool for them, and I'll be there Monday morning. See how that works out for me. But uh, I guess one of the wilder <laughs> recruiting stories of – I mean, well, it, I mean, they recruited him, right? He even came in for a visit. What if uh, – well, no, there's – I mean, there's no defending the kid, but maybe – it got lost in translation that Ole Miss is waiting for this Brit kid, and if this Brit kid doesn't sign with Ole Miss, then maybe he'll get the opportunity to play there. And he just decided to, you know, do the ceremony yesterday, ill-advised, but to do it, uh, knowing that it's possible he signs with Ole Miss in two weeks. Well, that's what I was about to get to. I was told from people inside the program that he was recruited as a because you know their kids. I mean, this this is kind of the the ugly part of recruiting where you recruit kids as backup options, and it depends on kind of where the top-level kids go, kind of to your point. But I was told that he was recruited in that manner, but was told about as clearly as you could possibly be that, like, they were going in a different direction, and he oh, apparently wow. just chose to anyway. So there, uh, I was told that they were uh, shocked in terms of, like, how that played out yesterday. I, I, I was told that there was no possible okay. way uh, that there could be any confusion and the kid did it anyway, so I, I don't, I don't really understand that one. You've got another SEC offer. You've got, you know, Houston's a good school. Like, kid had other options, and just, um, I don't know. Maybe there was a, like just communication there. That's just um, what I was told. Yeah, well, it was abducted in plain sight. Did you watch that? 
No, I did not. I heard it was pretty freaky, though. Dude, it's insane. And, like, this guy was just it, just so persistent that people just let him get away with all of this stuff. Maybe it, it's this case. The kid's like, you know what? I'm just going to commit to Ole Miss and sign with Ole Miss, and eventually they're just going to let me show up to practice one day. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like in Major League, Willie Mays Hayes just shows up for camp. And uh, for big league spring training, and they, they, they're like, we didn't. Like, who the hell is this guy? He's not on the list. And then he gets kicked out, and then he runs the fast 40, and they're like, all right, we'll keep him. Uh, only that's a movie, and this is real life, and I don't think Kiffin's going to keep this kid. So I don't think that's how <laughs> it works. Especially so. now. <laughs> like, if, if you actually wanted to try to, you know, maybe get like a PWO offer or something like that, I mean, it's ruined because now they think you're crazy. Speaking of uh, speaking of preferred walk-ons, they did offer one. They give a preferred walk-on to Xavier Miller out of Kosciuszko, Mississippi. He is a wide receiver. That would be a preferred walk-on, I believe. And this is just me speculating. There is a kid in the 2021 class out of Kosciuszko that is very high, highly coveted, and I wonder if that has something to do with that. Uh, that Those things are usually connected. Recruitment in the next year. So connected. Yeah, so that was an interesting way, <laughs> interesting way to end the day for uh, Mr. Brown out of Shreveport. Elsewhere, uh, last night Ole Miss had a basketball game. They played South Carolina. They won eighty-four to seventy. Brian Tyree dropped thirty-eight points. He's reset his career high again. He had thirty-six against LSU a couple weeks ago. And Ole Miss led this wire to wire. They opened the game on an eight-nothing run and didn't really trail after that. They just beat South Carolina soundly in about every facet. I mean, they killed them on the glass. They were disruptive in the passing lanes like South Carolina was struggling to complete simple A to B passes so they ended up just kind of doing this weird deal where they were setting a bunch of ball screens and uh, trying to get to the rim no one really seemed to be interested in driving the ball except for like one of their guards who I think ended up with like 15 or 16 but fairly dominating win for a fairly puzzling Ole Miss team to their credit you know it's been a frustrating season this is not a year that this is not how Brian Tyree could have envisioned his senior season going, but he continues to bring it every night. Uh, Kermit Davis said after the game that he and Tyree had a long talk uh, before Monday's practice, just about a lot of different things. And, you know, I guess he was trying to encourage him because again, there's a, this is probably not how Tyree saw his senior year going. And Tyree responded, Davis said by having two good days in practice and then dropped 38. So, you know, they're in a position to where they just really can't, like, there's not really a ton to play for, so they can't really look big picture. I think their motto yesterday was just win the month of February. But Davis did bring up a pretty good point after the game. Is look, we've, we've had Auburn and LSU on the ropes. We can play with anyone in the SEC. Like, yeah, we put ourselves in a pretty big hole, but you never really know what can happen. I mean, the SEC is kind of weird this year. So, you know, good win for them. I imagine it was a pretty good collective exhale. They've got two more home games coming up. They're 11 and 11. I don't really know what this win means in the long term. Probably nothing, but it was probably just good for them to play well. They did play very well yesterday. That was one. Of, that might have been their most complete win of the season. Man, and not settling for long jumpers. 12 three-point shots yesterday. I had to watch most of the game uh, in an airport and then have to catch up on Twitter the second I landed last night. So I didn't get to see the entire thing, but I kept... And even though Tyree took 21 shots and he went to the line a bunch of times as well... They didn't yet again. And you've seen that. Like, yes, they lost to Auburn. Um, and I know things didn't particularly 
uh, haven't gone well since. There is a change in offensive philosophy, or there was a change in offensive philosophy. They're moving the basketball a little bit more. They're attacking the basket more. I would like to see more of that from Schuler, but it, not settling for jump shots, uh, attacking the basket and distributing the ball, and that's why they're winning a game like this. That's why they had Auburn in overtime. It, that's you, You've seen the change. It is there. Yeah, and you saw it really with Blake Kenson last night, who scored 13 points, got to the free throw line, what, eight? He six got to times. the line he was five six, six times, and he had only gotten to the line eight times in the entire SEC uh, season to that point. As Kermit Davis pointed out, probably one of his best games in an Ole Miss uniform. Yeah, he had he's the a game big last guard, year. man. Like, why doesn't he try to slash more? I mean, who, cause who defends Blake Henson? Yeah, he's a frustrating player to watch, and I, that's kind of what Kermit Davis talked about after the game. So, you know, he's maturing a bit as a player. I just He's had a weird couple of months where he has, you know, leading into the season, the last three months, two and a half months, he's not able to do anything at all, hasn't really ever gotten comfortable, and has been a pretty big disappointment this season. And there are a lot of different factors to that, but played pretty well last night. You know, Hadim C had 10 and 8 in 28 minutes. Left the game with a cramp. Probably would have had a double-double if he didn't have to exit. They just, a lot of different guys played well. They were pretty shorthanded in the post. Uh, Sammy Hunter banged up his knee in practice and will be out a week or two. They played Dude Column like 21 minutes. They played a bunch of K.J. Buffett at the 5. They just played really well, and they kind of out-toughed South Carolina and pushed him around. And Which Frank is Martin, hard to believe considering how they've been so susceptible like they just haven't been a physical basketball team at all and enter Frank Martin who that's all his team plays like they play ugly just grind you out basketball and that was the game where Ole Miss out rebounded the shit out of South Carolina and played like that yeah and they're uh, South Carolina pretty Jekyll and Hyde themselves this year they have a very perplexing uh, NCAA tournament resume to say the least but Frank Martin I thought brought up an interesting point after the game it's like you know, his team's going to get crushed for a bad loss, and probably a little bit rightfully so, but if you would call Ole Miss a bad team, like, that's, it's a little more complex than that. They're not a good team, but they're rec- – I mean, hell, they've, they've – I mean, they enter the game last night having blown four double-digit leads in eight conference games, and they're one and seven somehow. That's tough to do, but to your – like, as Kermit Davis talked about there, right there. But Martin brought up the point. is like, well, you talk about – everyone talks about the Big Ten being the best conference in the SC and in the country. That's all you hear about constantly and he said well last time i checked missouri beat illinois and Ole miss beat 10 state and that's two of the top teams in the big 10 i believe the two top teams in the big 10 as it currently stands losing to bottom feeder sec schools i just found that an interesting way to look at things yeah and i mean they very well could and probably should be five and three in the sec right now yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is, is close to it. They just they haven't been able to close out games, as we discussed. So, I don't know. Maybe they get – like, it really wouldn't stun me if a team – and I'm not saying it necessarily Ole Miss in general, but a team like Ole Miss or one of these middle-bottom-tier bottom, bottom tier teams gets hot in Nashville and makes a run into Saturday, Friday, Saturday, hell, Sunday, if things really get weird. Like, I'm not necessarily for, forecasting that for Ole Miss, but there's there's not a great team in the SEC this year. I don't even – Auburn's 20-2, and two and I look at them half the nights, and they're like, I, I don't think these guys are that good. But they do – to their credit, them and LSU have found a way to win a lot of close games. I think Kentucky probably has the greatest potential to end up being a great team, uh, particularly in March. Uh, Florida's kind of fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. There's not a, a overarching team to where if you run into them on your side of the bracket – you're toast, and that's all she wrote. 
So it kind of sets up for a, and that's really college basketball as a whole this year. It kind of sets up for a strange run. And I, I think it could lend itself to having a couple upsets in Nashville this year. So we'll see how that plays out elsewhere in the sec. Vanderbilt finally snapped their streak last night. They, uh, LSU, I'm not necessarily sure I, it should have come to Vanderbilt, but LSU kind of had that coming for a while. They, they've, they were not as good as their 8-0 record, I don't think. They've been kind of living on the edge, winning a lot of close games. But uh, I watched the end of that when I got home. That was pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. I, man, I, I wish I could have been able to sit down and do that this week. I'm not a big college basketball guy, but it starts picking up right around now. And I didn't get a chance to watch it this week at all, man. I've been completely out of pocket. I have no idea what you guys talked about on the radio show, which is probably good for my sanity. Um don't really know what was going on in the sports world around here. Didn't really keep up with signing day. It was actually kind of nice for a few days, but I am way behind now. It's pretty much college basketball and baseball from here. Basketball, obviously, month of February really picks up. And then baseball, you did have some baseball news as we got to a Monday. Doug Nikhazy uh, was arrested for DUI on Monday. Yeah, I saw that. Handled internally. Does that mean he's not missing a game? If I had to guess, that probably means that uh, based on the last time this happened. But again, I don't. I, I really don't know. I, we have a media availability uh, today at 2 p.m. We'll have coverage of that at SuperDog. I, I really I have no idea. I, I, I would guess so based on, again, how it was handled the last time this happened with Andy Pagnazzi. But uh, there were some circumstances around Pagnazzi's deal that were uh, interesting. I'll just leave it at that. So... I don't really know. If I had to guess, is Doug Nikhazy pitching against Louisville next Friday? I would bet yes, but I, again, I don't know for sure. So we will have coverage of that this afternoon. Uh, that's really about all I got for today. Obviously, unless you got anything else, well, obviously we'll be back at it uh, in just a few hours tomorrow. Yeah, I, I figure anything. Uh, well, did you see Eli Drinkwitz's uh, celebration for getting a three-star commit yesterday? I saw the video. I didn't really know who or what it was in reference to. I mean, obviously, I knew he got a some three-star defensive back. And yeah, dude's got a lot a of energy. Minute thirty-second long video of him acting like he just found out that he won eight hundred million dollars in the lottery. Like it is the most overacted thing I've ever seen. Of course, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Love his energy. It's like, hey guys, that's fake. There was a camera right next to him, ready to follow him around the office. And he's hugging people, and he's high. He's doing all this crap. Like he was overacting. That was staged for social media. I, I'm I'm a cynical asshole. I know that, but my God, that was Jim Carrey level overacting. Yeah, and he looks a lot older than he does on game day. That was my takeaway from it. Maybe it was just the sweater with the button down under it, or whatever it was he was wearing. But like he, him, like based on seeing him on the sidelines at Appalachian State versus yesterday, he uh, he looks a lot older off the field. So that was my observation from that video. I didn't really understand it either. I thought they might have gotten some kind of generational talent or whatever. And then I looked into it a little bit, and I was like, I don't know who this kid is. Found that to be uh, weird, I guess to say the least. But Whatever, dude's got a ton of energy. He's excited, I guess. I, I don't know. You remember that but. time Dan Mullen made fun of uh, Hugh Freeze when they – I forget who it was. I think it might have been Chris Jones where uh, in their their uh, war room they had like those little uh, – like those gender reveal things where like you pull a tab and it pops out streamers. Kind of not uh, – th- what, what year was this? I think it was 16, I think. Or, or – 
it was a year where they they didn't have a good signing class at all. But I think it was Chris Jones um, that came in and kind of saved it. I think it was Chris Jones. And to make fun of the obviously staged uh, Hugh Freeze, like, in-office celebration that you probably remember that they did often, um, they had these little streamer things that they, they were popping in the uh, the coach's war room to, I mean, take a direct shot at Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss. That's, I mean, that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, you miss those days uh, in the uh, Mrs. Magnolia State in terms of everyone acting like a petulant child about a football rivalry. I imagine those days are probably not Oh, it was Jeff Simmons, gone. I think, maybe. That, uh, yeah, for Ole, in terms of Ole Miss, Jeff Simmons was a fantastic player, but for the immediate aftermath of that signing, Ole Miss kind of dodged a huge PR bullet at a time where they were taking on uh, okay. PR hits left and right. That would have been a... Like state, not that not to make light of it, but like state was in a much better situation to take a bad PR hit like that because it was a terrible situation. But like if that had happened to Ole Miss on top of all their recruiting scrutiny, it would have been a mess. Yeah, that and then what Dan Mullen said at media days, dude. I was it was one of the side rooms. It wasn't the main room, but I was in uh, the room when he said, "Well, he was asked, what would you think if that was your wife or daughter?" laying face down, getting hit like that. And he responded with, well, my wife and daughter wouldn't be in that situation. Yeah, I remember the whole I don't do, I don't like to deal in hypotheticals type of thing, and it's just like... Yeah, it was no, brutal. No one gives just, a shit about your shoes. God, and he walked in, and everybody in that room was pissed off. And I guess I understand why, but that room, not the main room, it was like the the newspaper internet reporter's room is where uh, all the big J's hang out. And they like when he walked in the room, you could feel that they were angry. And it was 10 minutes of them just firing questions off about that. Like, how can you do this? How can you accept him and not punish him and stuff like that? And then when he said, my wife and daughter wouldn't be in that situation, you could hear it in the room just, wait, what? And I forget the guy's name. He was the one that wrote the, the column and stuff. But he screamed it on the front. He goes, wait, what? Just like that. I mean, yelled it at him. It was wild, man. And I'm sitting in the back, like, this is my first time here. Like, what the hell? This is wild. And I kind of felt, like, uncomfortable just sitting there observing it. I couldn't imagine being one of those two guys in this situation. Yeah, that was just a weird, weird deal and a strange situation. But, uh, Ron, you one more time, go to University Avenue, uh, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger, jump the gun there. Go see Greg. He's got it going on. He made you a bunch of money with the football picks. He can uh, make satisfy your stomachs with the best place in Mississippi to get meat, steaks, custom cuts, daily specials. He's got plate lunches. You can go in there and grab a bite to eat, then decide what you want to throw on the grill later. He's got baseball game packs. I had a couple people go in last week, get a ribeye sausage, a Swayze sausage, and then a couple of bacon-wrapped fillets, and they said it was awesome. Go tell him we sent you. Go in University Avenue across from Kroger. We will be back at it Mailbag Friday tomorrow. Send in your questions. I already got a couple questions from people unwarranted. So uh, send in your Mailbag Friday questions. Tweet me, text me, email me, whatever you need to do to send them in. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Baseball questions, basketball questions, recruiting questions, whatever you got, uh, throw it at us. So uh, unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here. I got some writing to do today. That's it, man. Well, I'll remind you, join us on Sports Talk Mississippi 3 to 6 p.m. today if you're in the Magnolia State, or you can listen at supertalk.fm slash listen. We'll be back at it this afternoon. 
But Michael and Borky, not Michael Borky, and I will be back at it on Friday. We appreciate you guys tuning in. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.